the most, baby, and we're coming back. Go dogs. Thank you. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old. Put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to my second act. It's a podcast where we talk about things that you're already talking about with your family and friends. Conversations about current events and pop culture and music. Plus revealing stories about marriage, parenting, and sometimes personal growth. Hi, my name's Don. I'm Caddy's wife. Um, okay, so did you get snow? Anybody get snow that's listening? We didn't get a whole lot of snow. Um, I was kind of d- disappointed. This happens every time. I'm convinced that the next time that the weather people say that we're going to have this massive snow event or snow apocalypse, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to head to the mountains because I want to see some snow. And I'm going to rent me a VRBO and I'm going to see some snow. Because, by, I mean, you taking us? You going by yourself? With- yeah, you can come. Okay, all right, but thank I mean, you. I think the best snow events happen like when they don't predict them. It's like this. It's like sex. You there can be such a buildup when you're 17, and then the moment comes, and it's just not what you thought it would be. For for a whole lot of different reasons. I don't. I don't think that happens at 17. That can happen at 52, 46, whenever. I mean, I'm just saying. Like that's. But that's, you get my point. There's so much buildup. There's yeah. so much buildup, and the you know it's been in the forecast for seven, ten days now. And then it just wasn't a whole lot. It kind of petered out. (laughs) Well, um, I don't know how I bring Olivia into this conversation. However, um, she... Is our 18-year-old daughter. Is our 18-year-old daughter. And she wanted Fudgy, one of our cats, one of our three cats. We have Ming, Fudge, and Zippy. And we call Fudge Fudgy. Um, So she has a... Just follow me here. She has a backpack that she ordered off Amazon after she saw Taylor Swift carrying her cat, Meredith, around in her backpack. And so she got this backpack, and she has like a bubble front, and she can take Fudge out into the world. And it has holes so that he can breathe, sort of. Um, and she shoves him into this backpack, and I wish you could see his expression. Like, I don't even know. Like, if Pete nervous. is listening, like, yes, he's nervous. Um, but she took him out to see the snow. And he was a little wide-eyed. He loved it. Like some snowflakes were falling and everything because I sort of fall on behind because I'm thinking, what if the zipper popped and he like ran for the woods or something? Pawed his way out. But anyways, there was no sledding. There was no like sledding on pizza pans. There was nothing. There was nothing. I had a thought earlier today that I don't miss that. And then I'm glad for that reason our kids are older and, and there wasn't snow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? I had a thought. I thought that. That, and I thought that I missed that so much. Yeah, no, I thought about it today. I was like, "Mm." you know what? Had there been a snow and the kids have been younger because they're 22, Will lives in Knoxville, Tennessee on his own, and then 18-year-old Olivia and 15-year-old Charlotte are here at home. And if they were younger and it had snowed, there'd just be this in and out, this constant wet clothes, and I want to go out and play in the snow. No, you don't. It's too cold, you know. Yeah. Listen to yourself. (laughs) I used to love that. They would get on the pizza pans, go down the front yard. We'd go across the street. Everybody would sled together. They took Robin Henry, one of our, our neighbors, and a loyal pod listener. They took, uh, Olivia took a couple of her landscape lights out, going down a pizza pan. I've still got the video. We'll have to upload that for people to see. Um, I loved those days. You just don't like anything that's, like, uncomfortable or, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Messy, wet. They did such a good job here in Atlanta 
they've been, who, cite your source, Cadillac Jack, the TV meteorologists and the radio weather people, did such a good job of drumming this winter storm up that for the first time in 40 years, the Lakewood 400 antiques market shut down. I mean, that's when they think snow's coming. That's, that's saying something. If you're not from the Atlanta area, this is in uh, Forsyth County, coming, Georgia. Normally held on the third Saturday of the month. And uh, for 40 years, they've had no problems at all. But this little uh, little storm caused them to send all the vendors home. That's sad. With all their discoveries and bounties and things. And then nothing happened. Nothing happened. And here's what makes me mad. The, the meteorologists and the TV people, they they come back around and try to cover their tracks. Like I heard someone say, I guess like on the 5 o'clock news, at, like we told you, it start because it had started to snow again this afternoon. We were, we were going to get some late afternoon snow. It's like because they knew everyone was turning on them from the morning event that wasn't. It's like Glenn Burns. I mean, we will find okay, you. Don't call him out. Well, we'll find you. We want to know where the snow is. You got us all worked up. All the bread's gone. All the milk's gone. If you're not from the South, we just don't handle it well. Coming up during this episode of Kettle Check, my second act. We actually have a guest coming up. And that's something that we don't often do. We rarely do it. 215 episodes of this podcast. I think we've had maybe four or five guests. The reason why is we choose to, as you know, from listening to multiple topics of conversation and different things going on in the world, pop culture, trends, news, music, as opposed to an entire episode on photography. And they rarely want to come back. Or beekeeping. Uh, true. Well, we've never invited anybody back. Well, but I think they've listened afterwards and gone, wait, what was I just a part of? Yeah. So we prefer to have guests on this podcast that are regular, normal people. And for whatever reason, they are suddenly in the spotlight. Maybe they've gone viral because of something that they've done. And that's the case with the last guest we had, which was July of 2020. Remember the lady, Kista was her name, in Brookhaven, Georgia, who had the, uh, the, 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 uh, the African cat. <laughs> No, yes, her husband. For, her husband forgot to, to or opened the door, forgot to shut the door when he walked the dog. She's yeah. in the bed, and all of a sudden, there's an, an exotic African cat that has leapt up on her bed and joined her while she's reading a Danielle Steele novel. What a mess! And she went viral, so we reached out to her. That type of stuff. If you watch the national championship football game between Georgia and Alabama, maybe you saw when. Uh, Do we have stats embedded on? No. Oh. Keely Ringo, number five for the dogs. He was the one that intercepted the pass with, I mean, late in the fourth quarter. Do we have Keely Ringo on? No. 76-yard return for the touchdown. Sealed the deal for the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, Georgia, Don, and you know this from being a Georgia graduate, the Redcoat Marching Band is world-renowned. Yes. They weren't ready. To play. You know, they're sitting there watching the game like everybody else, wondering what's getting ready to happen, who's going to win. Flirting with the person behind them. You, what, what else happens there in the stands? Well, I'm just saying, like, you might be, maybe they were getting a drink, or, I mean, you know, they're also, they play a lot of music, and so they're probably tired. They put their little flutes down, or, you know, that would be my thing. Like, if I am the, if I play the, whatever they play, like I say, alto I, sax. okay, say I play the alto sax, that seems heavy, but if I did, then I might be flirting with somebody behind me and somebody's like, oh my gosh, there's a pick six. And I'm like, oh, hell. Like, I'm just grab somebody else's instrument and start playing because I think it was, you know, it, 
I mean, they have certain songs that they have to play, you know, at certain points. But, I mean, this one caught everyone off guard. So, just like you watching at home, the Red Coat Band sit in the stands at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. They see what's happening right in front of them. And and they react. Everybody reacted but one person. And she's going to be our guest coming up during this episode of the Cadillac Jack My Second Act podcast. Her name is Kelsey Albertini. She's an alto sax player in the Redcoat Marching Band. And she has gone viral as the crying sax girl because she was so emotional with the Keely Ringo pick six that she, she couldn't even play her saxophone. I love it. I cannot wait to talk to her. Everybody has it. had this moment in their life. You know, and I think that's why America has, the country has really embraced her because we've all done something like this. There's been something that's just been overwhelming. And you, you, you can't perform. Goes back to sex at 17, maybe. Okay. I don't think, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she, she's, again, she's going to be another one who's like, what, what did I join here? Kelsey Albertini is coming up later during this episode of the podcast. We're going to talk about the Kardashians and Kanye now. This is a mess. This is a mess. Kanye has new music out. Featuring the game. My life was never easy is the name of it. This is not it, by the way. This is royalty-free music that I found. Oh. I was like thinking this? this is kind of cool. I like it. So, here's what's going on. There was a birthday party for two of their two of their kids, I think? No, one. Shy, Chicago, and then um, Stormy, who is Kylie's daughter. Oh, so the sisters had a, a joint party. It was a joint party. I see. I didn't mm-hmm. catch that. All right. So Kanye says, he, 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 I wasn't invited, and he's he's driving around in California and, you know, out near, where, where is it? Calabasas, I guess, or something. Calabasas, somewhere. but he did go. Well, he did, but he said originally that he wasn't given the address and he wasn't welcome. And okay. he, was, he was getting manic. Yeah. Well, we can't joke about that because he is manic. I'm, I'm not joking about that. But he also bought a house down the street from them, so I don't know how he doesn't know where he needs to go. But he said he was he was not allowed to come in, and this has been a huge battle that's brewing there is so much going on right now in Hollywood between these two and then the Britney and Jamie Lynn. I mean, like, it's nuts right now, like full moon. I don't even know what's going on. But he has said that he tried to go over to the house a couple of times and security has stopped him and will not let him in the house to see his kids. Um, listen, whether you're famous or whether you're infamous, uh, we've all been there with if you're in a divorce situation where. Things aren't going your way. People have got decrees out. This isn't your day. This isn't your time. Those days suck, too. And those days suck. And God, the, the suck. only people that lose are the kids. Only people that lose are the kids. But this music he's putting out, I mean, he is, like, going for it here. The opening verse is, how I ain't bring nothing to the table when I'm the table. And then this is the next line. You ready for this one? If we go to court, we'll go to court together. Matter of fact, pick up your sis, we'll go to court together. So what do you think he's implying there? Uh, if, if they have to go to court, go ahead and swing by and pick up Courtney because him and Scott are going to, like, team up. And, you know, it, it's basically he's saying that these women are running running the lives and kick these men out, and they're not, they don't have access to their kids because, you know, Courtney's dating Travis Barker and all that's going on. Um. And, you know, so Kanye is dating this new girl, Julia Fox, who's like a model. And, oh, it's just a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. And somehow he's brought Pete Davidson into it. He's going to kick his ass. Here is uh, here is that part of the song from Kanye West. 
Rich ass kids, this ain't your mama house. Climb on your brother's shoulders, get that top ramen out. God sent me from that crash just so I could beat Pete Davidson's ass. Who? Now, a couple things about that. What crash? Well, the plane crash, right? Well, no, he wasn't. Was he in a plane crash? Kanye? Why didn't he fly? Or he, he's a nervous flyer. Or something. That's Travis Barker. Oh, who? See, I, I'm not good at this pop. This slice of pop culture, I'm no good at. Maybe I he, can't keep maybe he almost had like a. I'll have to look that one up. Maybe he almost had a, a car wreck or something. I, but I want to. I want to spend a moment on the line about rich ass kids. This ain't your mama house. Climb on your brother's shoulders. Get that top ramen out. In other words, referring to the kids must are just eating ramen noodles, right? No, 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 no. Okay. See again. I'm just going to turn my mic off. And okay, listen. Here's how, here's how it sprite. goes. Just listen. Here's how it goes. When you give them everything, they only want more. Bougie and unruly, y'all need to do some chores. Rich-ass kids, this ain't your mama house. Climb on your brother's shoulders. Get that top ramen out. What he's saying is they're raising them to do nothing. They don't have to do any chores. That is, that not a, is that not a reference to, to ramen noodles? I'm getting there. Oh. They, they don't do any chores that they're raising them to like be entitled. And his point out, I mean, his point is when he was growing up, he had to climb on top of his brother's shoulders to get to the top cabinet oh, to I get see, the ramen noodles okay. to cook them because they didn't have all this food. So he's saying that they're all bougie and being taken care of and, you know, flying private and doing all this stuff. And the way he was successful was making it his own way through the rough streets of Chicago, living on ramen noodles, which the Kardashians are not living on ramen noodles. If you saw this party that they had for Stormy and Shy, here's my question. I always think about this when the Kardashians do these parties. There is so much candy because they always do like cotton candy bars and they have like cookies, like they had cookies made in Stormy's name and Chicago's name. And some of them look like the skyline of Chicago. But I mean, it was cookies on top of cookies on top of Sunday bars. I'm like, where does all this food go? After it's over, I've never in my life seen so. I've never seen so much like it, like cookies and cookies and cookies. Like who eats all this? Because they're all skinny as they can be. Like nobody's eating half the stuff. Like who eats this stuff? That's my big question. That's my big takeaway. Who's eating the cookies? What do you think that party calls? Oh my god! Well, that Mindy Weiss does all of their parties. She's like this huge LA party planner. She's been on the Kardashian show. And basically, they just sit down with her and say, we want to have, like, I forgot what the theme for. Oh, actually, the theme for this one was, like, Barbie doll and something else. And I can't even remember what it was. Emoji girl or something. And they made their likeness into, like, Barbies and emojis. And so they just, they, they come up with these crazy ideas. And then these party planners are just like, okay, and take, like, a million-dollar budget and run with it, you know? Insanity. And, like, on this one, do they split the bill? Does Kim come to, like, Kylie? It just doesn't matter. I don't know. know? But, I mean. I don't mean to, I'm not saying to your comment, does it matter. I'm saying to them, they they have so much money. Who cares? No, but it's just, like, the logistics of a normal family thing. Like, if if you had a a birthday party with your sister, you would sit down and be like, okay, well, like, how much do you want to spend on this sucker? You know what I mean? Like, are you going to do the balloons? Here's my receipt for M&M's. Yes. Are you going to do the balloons? Am I going to do the cake? We're not doing fondant. Let's get it from Publix. Yeah. Don't get that creepy one from last year. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of creepy musicians. I'm just having a flashback. Do you remember the party I do. that I did for Charlotte? And it's it, a manor. Yeah. And it was a carnival. Talk about like crazy parties. It was a carnival themed party. It was actually a great party. It was a carnival themed party and they had carnival games. What? I can't remember what party, what year this was. I want to say fourth grade, third or fourth grade. Anyways, it was carnival themed. So they had like ski ball. I had like all these different like carnival games and 
we were supposed to do it outside, but the weather was not great. So we did it inside. And so I had this magician, we had a little face painter that, you know, painted all the kids' faces. And we had this magician that came. Well, I used a party planner, not like Mindy Weiss. It was, she was just a woman who like helped because I had so many elements to it. She helped round, round up the like cotton candy person and the, you know, she got people who would. Because what's a kid's birthday party without all that stuff? Right. Snow cones and all that we stuff. We had ice cream on the back deck. <laughs> anyway. Seriously. This is what ice cream Sundays. This is when, and yeah. It was a good year if you got the, the, the hot fudge that crackled that made the shell. That was a okay. bonus. Mom I get paid it. extra for that. I get it. This is like, it was a, it was a good year. But anyway, um, but this magician, I didn't like vet out the show before because I mean, how do you go see a kid's ma- magician show? I guess I could have gone to another birthday party that he was at. It was crazy. Do you remember? I don't even. I, I, remember I don't there. even remember what he said. But like the kids started like backing up away from him, and I think he like threatened to put one of them in the show and like cut them in half or something. I was like, oh my god! He like, had he had uh, marionette puppets. Is that yes, what yes, think, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And the puppets said sort of semi inappropriate things, and like it was almost like if you were running. A birthday party for kids. And you were handling the puppets. MARTA stands for Moving Atlanta. The Metro Atlanta. No, it stands for Rapid Transportation Authority. That's right. Thank you, Donna. Jeffrey Parker was the GM and CEO until this past Friday night when he took his own life by jumping in front of a MARTA train at the East Lake Station. The first reports came from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and they were very quick to write in every article that was posted online, almost a disclaimer, and it reads, only on rare occasion does the Atlanta Journal-Constitution report death by suicide. The newspaper will typically respect the privacy of grieving families in such a circumstance, but in this case, A well-known public figure's family is sharing the news with the public as a way to counter the stigma attached to suicide. The newspaper is honoring that request. Fox 5, our local Fox affiliate, uh, the headline on their website is MARTA CEO Jeffrey A. Parker dies suddenly, officials say. Channel 2, our ABC affiliate. MARTA CEO Jeffrey Parker dies late Friday night. The AJC seems to be um, in the first round of reporting anyway. The only outlet that's going with the cause of death. If you are listening to this podcast outside of Atlanta, you may be, this, this story's not been on your radar. The irony can't be lost that this man who ran MARTA took his life by leaping in front of a MARTA train. But Jeffrey Parker was so much more than that. While Jeffrey Parker was overseeing MARTA, the 2019 Super Bowl was here in Atlanta. Hundreds of thousands of fans in town used MARTA. Uh, he's, he's overseeing expansion plans, helped negotiate a new agreement, uh, with the uh, the union people that got, a, I think, a 3% raise across the board for yeah. every single employee. Most recently, Jeffrey Parker helped guide MARTA through nearly two years of the coronavirus when, if you remember, Don, ride, uh, ridership, is that what they say? Ridership, yeah, ridership was down so low, they had to cut bus routes. 
you know, everybody had to learn to deal with, with COVID-19. And Jeffrey Parker led MARTA through that period. They had to scale back bus service and train service. They had to increase cleaning and, and um, safety protocols. From, and- from, from all accounts, he did it very well. But there was something going on. And we don't know what that is. As we struggle to understand the difficult story that this is and the complexity of this tragedy, it's necessary, I, I believe, that we grieve for his wife and his daughters and all the Mart employees. It is very sad, and, and sometimes we don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. Even if that person presents this glowing smile and personality and positive um, rapport, maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor, maybe it's your spouse, but they're not showing the darkness that they're experiencing. As a society, I, I think that we should not be afraid to speak up about suicide. It's been such a taboo it's always been a taboo topic, Donna. The reason it is taboo is because people feel like um, they failed that person if something happens. That, you know, it becomes very almost personal to the other people, too, that what, what should we have done? Why didn't we see it? Why couldn't we have helped? And I also think that people who do that are often seen as weak, um, as selfish. I've heard that said a lot, that, you know, if you do something like that, it is very selfish, Um I'm very mixed on this story, I have to tell you, because, um, well, a couple of things. I worked for Atlanta Magazine, which is our city magazine, um, for over three and a half years, and Marta was my account. And I met him twice um, because he was on our list of um, powerful Atlantans a couple of years in a row. And um, he was a very nice, nice man, and he believed in the importance of Um, having reliable transportation for everyone in the city um, to be able to get to work and just to school and to, you know, anywhere. And I never, Marta really never came up into my lifeline living out in the suburbs until I started working downtown and I did start taking Marta because traffic was just horrible. And um, I realized day in and day out, because I saw a lot of the same faces, how important having a reliable transportation system is to people who um, are in different walks of life. And that does not mean necessarily different socioeconomic classes because I found that there were just as many as doctors who rode MARTA who got off at um, at the at perimeter to go to work at CHOA and to Northside as there were, you know, people who worked um, – you know, again, as, as a line cook or, or someone like that, you know, trying to get to their job. Um, there were all types of different reasons why people rode MARTA. Um, so that said, the thing that I'm struggling with a little bit is I understand that his, his family had to make the decision to be okay with reporting that it was a suicide, you know, in order for them to do that. But I do think that if I had having kids and being a mom, I don't know. I also, I think that there are some things that not everybody has to know. 
some details of your life. And I think that you can talk about the struggles of mental health and maybe what he was going through without having it overtake the accomplishments of this man, if that makes sense. That now the story becomes almost the irony, as you said earlier, that he took his life. It's almost almost Shakespearean. It is, by his profession. And I just think he was was an incredible man who did great things for our city. And I'm sure he was an incredible father. And I'm sure he was an incredible husband and son to someone. And I just think that while I agree that you shouldn't be necessarily, it shouldn't hide in the shadows or be embarrassed to talk about suicide, I do think that it is such a lightning rod word that that overtakes the person's whole life and it becomes about that one act and so I just for me personally I would not I would not share those details again I'm not talking about amongst friends or family or whatever but just to the general public because I also think that there's two sides of the coin and I think we've also become a society where we feel the need to share everything I I just don't think that that's always necessary And, and it's not again I think sometimes people say like, oh, you know, keep your circle really small and, you know, you don't have to put everything out onto social media or into the world. And I think sometimes people say, oh, that's just because they're embarrassed or they want their life to be perfect. Or they, that's not even it sometimes. It's just not everything about your life has to be available for public consumption. And I think there are other ways to help people sometimes. So, but this is their story to tell and it's not mine, but I just... It blew me away when I read that, and I, I actually said to you, I, you were in another room, and I called you, and I, and I think I, te- I texted you, or I called you, because it was so odd to see that written, because usually it says, you know, no further details were given, or right, something well, like, like that. Fox 5 and Channel 2 did, yeah. died unexpectedly, died right. suddenly, Friday right. night. Right, and people are going to come to their own conclusions, but I, I, I understand it is for that family to do, to do what they want to do, but at the end of the day, it's just very sad. You know, that's just part of life is like you said earlier, you never know what what people are walking around carrying, what kind of burdens they're carrying. Don't think that just because someone is putting, you know, this glossy picture out that, that they don't struggle. I think also that to take your own life, you have to be at a point or spot in your life where you are just helpless and hopeless. I don't think that typically people take their own life and commit suicide because they just don't want to live. I think it's because they want to end their suffering. I do think that it leaves behind, I think it leaves behind a lot of grief and questions for the people that are left over that dying from a heart attack, dying from an automobile accident, dying from um, a long illness doesn't. Because I do think that for kids and for people, spouses and for parents, Um, there's just so many unanswered questions of, was it something I said? Was it something I did? Was it something I didn't do? Was it something I could have done more? You know, you don't have as many of those questions. I mean, yes, when someone dies unexpectedly from an accident, you may think like, I wish I hadn't had that harsh conversation with them, or I wish that wasn't our last words. But I just think that when someone takes their own life, I don't agree with the, the statement that it's selfish. But I do think that it pulls a lot of other people with it. And, you know, there is a statistic that people, parents who um, 
who commit suicide, their children have a higher rate of suicide because there's also this weird thought process sometimes that they want to join them. They want to be reconnected with their family, you know, and if you've ever grieved and you have, you're, you're still grieving your mom, you know, I daily grieve my dad, anybody who's listening, there is the fact that once someone has left you, and I don't know if you feel this way, heaven and in the afterlife is not as scary. I'm just speaking for myself because there's the thought of being reunited with your loved ones that you don't have until you lose someone. So I just, you know, I do think that when someone is at that point and they take their own life, it just, it leaves a void like no other kind of death does because it leaves kids to think, did they, you know, was I too much trouble? Was it something I was doing? Had I made mistakes in my life that bothered this? There's just so many questions. And again, it's not probably something that person can solve and they're not thinking that at the time. I think it just really leaves a hole like no other. In the letter this Saturday, we're going to include some, some resources about mental, um, your mental health and mental illness and challenges and links to a lot of information. And we'll also include information about the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Information in the letter. What is the letter? It is our uh, weekly e-newsletter, a component to the podcast and also my radio show on Atlanta's 92.5 The Bear. And it's uh, new and improved on it. New and improved. I know. You've been working hard on it. We switched platforms to, um, I think it was Constant Contact, which is pretty common for e-newsletters for you know people and businesses and nonprofits to use that platform. We switched to Review, R-E-V-U-E, which is actually owned by Twitter. And I wish we'd done it 10 years ago. Actually, it wasn't out 10 years ago, but two years ago. Because it's, it's so user-friendly and it's clean and it's bright and it's crisp. We include uh, links to conversations that we've had so you can get more information. We include pictures so that you can get a visual to the stories that we shared during the two episodes that week. Uh, a meme and a prayer is a section where you can steal some really funny and normally topical and timely memes. Alternative episode titles that didn't make the cut for the week. We have nothing to do with the episode title. Uh, Carl Appen, the executive producer of the podcast, and the team at the Appen Podcast Network pick the title and write the episode notes. We have no idea until we download the episode, like you do, what the title's going to be. So as we record each episode, some of us make notes about what could potentially be good episode titles that, that they just don't make it. They don't make the cut. So the leftovers, if you will. And they're often quite funny. What else, Don, do we include in the letter? Oh, just lots of things. Okay. Recipes. Left on red to the number 22828. Sign up for free. We don't sell your information to anybody. And uh, four-minute, five-minute read. Saturday mornings, hit your inbox at 9.10, and uh, that's before your day gets crazy busy with kids and rec sports and band practice and whatever else you got going on. Let's add two songs to the Hype Songs playlist. Listen to it on Spotify. Another component of the Cadillac Jack, my second night podcast. What do you got, Donna? Okay, I am adding one of my favorite bands, Old Dominion, mm. um, and I'm going to add a song called No Hard Feelings, and it's from the, um, the album that's been out for a while, Time, Tequila, and Therapy, which I love that. Which song. one? Title, Time, Tequila, and Therapy. Mm. I, I had no idea. Oh. Well, anyways, it's called No Hard Feelings. You'll love it. I love Old Dominion. They're great. The, the most underrated 
country group ever, I think. What do you mean you had no idea it was time to feel therapy? I didn't, no, I didn't know they had a new album out. It's not. That's kind of an older one. I listened to um, the one has got the needlepoint, the cross stitch on the front of it, whichever one that is. Oh, yes. Gotcha. That one and the other one. Well, maybe this is like their new, their, uh, actually, this is the new album because you're right. Now that you're talking about the needlepoint thing, yes. So, uh, yeah. So, it is a new album. It came out uh, in December, actually. And this is their new single. I'm going to add some tempo. All right. Taking it to the streets. Mm. The doobies. What does that mean? I mm. love it. Taking it to, to the, the street. Taking it to the street. Taking it to the street. What is this weird music? It's buffer music. Don't like it. I like it, but like, do you pick out what? Because it kind that kind of sounds episode. a little doobie-ish. No, I didn't. That was just happenstance. I like it. So this is free. We're not going to get in trouble for this. No, this is royalty-free music for those listening to the App and Podcast Network. Okay, good. Oh, I like it. All right, we're going to be ready for a special guest. A member of the Georgia Redcoat Marching Band, Kelsey Albertini, is coming up. She has been uh, labeled the crying sax girl. Can't wait. After the national championship game when Georgia took down Alabama. We're giving away, as we celebrate the Bulldogs national, they're natty, Donna. We're giving away two American-made Hinkle Rockers. Georgia-themed Hinkle Rockers from the Hinkle Chair Company. They're Bulldog Red, got the, the Bulldog insignia. You can rock the night away. Seriously. And like we've talked about before with a Hinkle, it's not like the legs are going to fall off. You're not going to like rock a few times and then you're rocking like on the floor. Like, you know, you fall on the floor and you're like, and has that ever happened to you? Like, have you ever like, like sat on a chair or something and the chair broke and you almost have to make it, like you feel like you have to make it. She's like, oh my gosh, I know I'm like really big. But it wasn't because everybody's thinking. But it wasn't you. It was the person's poor choice. No, it it was the person's poor choice in a rocker. And now you're like having to fend your weight. Like, like what happened? And I told you all the story about it, the Rockathon, the band Rockathon, where that man tried to take Jeff, tried to take my Hinkle. Not happening. So if you win this, guard it with your life. It's a pair. You get a pair up. Well, yeah, guard them with your life. But let people I mean, the biggest person you know can come and rock and everything's gonna be fine. You don't have to hold your breath. Seriously, like when it while makes they, that noise, like while they, they rest their ass cheeks in it. You know, okay. you don't have to. All right. Gallery Furniture Gainesville, sixteen hundred Browns Bridge Road, Gainesville. Ask for Donna. I, I sent her a text and I said, "Hey, look, what are we going to do to celebrate the, the dogs?" She's a huge supporter, huge fan of the University of Georgia. And uh, she said, I, "I have two left. The only two in America can be yours. Here's what you need to do." Check out Gallery Furniture on Instagram. Watch a two-minute iMovie and learn how you can win. Follow Gallery Furniture on Instagram. In 30 days, a random winner will be drawn, and you'll be rocking the night away. Gallery Furniture, 1600 Brownsbridge Road, Gainesville. Ask for the Wolfman. Ask for Donna. Find it today. Take it home today. That's the deal. We have a small ask of you. Three things, if you don't mind. Follow this podcast so you don't miss anything coming up like Kelsey Albertini from the Red Coat Marching Band in seconds. Invite and encourage three people in your circle to enjoy the podcast and listen to the very end of each episode for outtakes and some Easter eggs. And number three, show our sponsors some love, like Gallery Furniture Gainesville, T-Mobile, new to the podcast, Brightmore Healthcare, Delta, Atlanta's hometown airline, and Cadillac Jack, my second act of the podcast, brought to you by Ford. Built Ford tough. For the 40th year, the F-150 is the best-selling truck on the road Score your F-150 at Fayetteville Ford. 
I enjoy spending time with people who are regular, normal people, just like you and I. And then suddenly, they are thrust into the spotlight, and they find themselves in the spotlight because of something that they have done or something that they have said. And it's so much easier for this to happen now because of social media. During the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama, when the pick six happened late in the fourth quarter, about a minute to go in the game, uh, this is the play that sealed the deal for your Georgia Bulldogs to take the national championship. The Red Coat Marching Band is in the stands watching the game, just like you and I were, whether in the stadium in Indianapolis or at home. The pick six happens. Suddenly, they have to play. The Red Coats have to to play. There's one member of the Red Coat Marching Band who has gone viral because she simply couldn't play her saxophone. She was so overcome with emotion that she's just crying and the SEC Network and College Game Day and ESPN have turned Kelsey Albertini into a viral star. And she joins us now on the Cadillac Jack My Second Act podcast. I don't think I've ever been more on the edge of my seat than I was in that moment. I was just absolutely like, I was like, if they get a touchdown, you know, they could win this. I didn't even realize that he had kept running. I thought he he was on the ground. I didn't. I was just already crying just by the fact that he had intercepted it. So I was, <laughs> and that's so true. Imagine the things that could have gone wrong. You know, he had I to know. intercept it like he did. Then he had to hang on to it like he did. Then you had to run for 70, I think 79 is the official number, 79 yards, hanging on to the damn ball and get into the end zone. All of that had to happen. All of that had to line up, and it did. It was incredible. If you are in the marching band, just by nature of being part of the Red Coat Band, you almost are sucked into football, whether you're a huge football fan or not. Because, listen, you have to watch the game. You have to know what's going on to know what, you know, what, what song you guys are going to play. But have you always been a Bulldog fan since you were little or football fan? Yes. My whole family, they're all dog fans. I grew up a dog fan. But I did marching band all four years of high school. I never really um, knew too much about football. Like, I watched the games with my parents and everything, but I didn't really, you know, understand the rules fully until I got to college because when I my first Georgia game was as a Redcoat my freshman year of college, I just picked up on everything, like going to the games. And, like, luckily there's a few other people in Redcoats who know a lot about football who I'm good friends with. So anytime something happened and I didn't know what was going on, I would just ask the person next to me and they would explain. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how I learned most of what I know about football now. <laughs> well, and like in high school, when you're – because our daughter, who is um, – 18 she's in the she was in the marching band in high school and I always joke that like high school marching band while they have to be very dedicated and any type of marching band you do but it's kind of different because you sort of hang out with your friends in the stands and every now and then you pick up your instrument and play a song but I mean the the marching band for college and especially the Redcoats I mean this is a serious serious like it's like a job I mean you have to know what's going on you have to be able to react on an instant and you have to really pay attention, you know, all the time. So I'm sure that it's, um, you know, that you see a lot, a lot of football, but also like you have to kind of be in the moment and know what you need to do. You always have to have your eyes up because 
we have certain things that we play, especially on defense. Um, certain, you know, if we have a first down, like we play a certain song. And if we have a, like, if they have a second down, then we play a different song. And so you definitely have to like be on your toes and like know what to expect. Do y'all still play like a, we've got some dogs over here. Woof, woof. Do y'all still do that one? <laughs> we don't do Dang that one anymore. That was a good one. <laughs> that was back in the 40s, Kelsey. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that was a good one. I love that. How many, how many members of the Red Coat Marching Band are there? There's about 430 of us. How, and so y'all travel on bus, I guess, right? You'd have to. We're on the larger side of most bands. We're definitely not the biggest, but we have one of the biggest bands in the SEC, I think. Um, we travel in eight coach buses usually. Wow. For Indianapolis, we actually traveled in 12 so we could properly socially distance ourselves. And that was much nicer because we all got our own seats. But usually we're like packed in like sardines. That's the good part of COVID, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so who actually gave you the label crying sax girl? Was it the SEC network? So I saw it because my friend direct messaged me the tweets on my Twitter and was like, this guy posted this video of you and it has like a thousand likes. Oh my gosh. And I went to the replies. And everyone was saying, like, crying sax girl, it's all of us. So it was a bunch of different people that I saw calling me that. And I was like, I'm just going to own it. Collegemarching.com, their Twitter account, uh, tweeted, what it looks like when your team is about to win the national championship after a pick six, but you still have a job to do. All the feels. What an incredible moment for the members of the Redcoat Band. When it all came down and Keely Ringo catches the, the, the interception and runs in, in, into the end zone and scores and seals the deal. You were so emotional, you couldn't play your saxophone. Not playing during a song is like a big no-no. I was like going to say, you didn't get in trouble, did you? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, good. I was definitely not the only one. They just happened to catch me on okay. video. All right. But, <laughs> but um, in the video, you can literally see me mouthing the words, I can't, because I just couldn't. Like, there was just no way. I was so excited, and everyone around me is jumping for joy, and I'm just bawling my eyes out, tears of joy. All I could think about was how lucky I was to be there. You know, those tears, like they were not just for me, they were for the people who graduated last year and like every other red coat before me that didn't get to experience that moment because it was just incredible. And in that moment, all I could think about was, you know, this is like the most incredible like season of Georgia football in a long, long, long time. And I got to be a part of that. And yeah. that's so cool that I get to always have that memory. Take us to the parade. That had to have been just a a rush of emotions too. And then to go into the stadium, 100,000 people for the celebration. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? At that moment when I had actually gotten to Stanford and I was able to like check my phone, that's when I had realized like, that the SEC Network reposted that video of me, and so did College Game Day made a TikTok of it. And so I was just, like, discovering that, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. I love I love the Georgia Bulldogs. So, oh, getting so were people calling you out? Were they like, there's the sax girl. There's the crying sax girl. Yes. People oh my were gosh. coming up and hugging me, and they recognized me, and people were, like, calling out for me. And I just... I've never had that kind of attention ever in my entire life. Like I am not one who likes to draw attention to myself for too much, but everything 
that I've been seeing on Twitter and Instagram and in real life has been so overwhelmingly positive. And it's just, it's just so nice. You know, I never thought, you know, that I would be known for something like this, but I'm, I'm really glad that I am. Uh, I have a a clip here from Jordan Davis. who was one of two, only two players that were asked to speak Saturday at, uh, at the big celebration inside Sanford Stadium. This is something that nobody can take away from us. We're forever legendary. So to all dog nation, we love you. Go Braves and go dogs. Now he's getting a lot of attention, as he should, for, for not only mm-hmm. toasting the, the dogs, but saying go Braves as well. And he actually had a Braves jersey on underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Davis has been so kind to the Red Coat Band. Maybe it was before the game, he came over to you guys. I've seen the video. And, and just was doing doing hand kisses to you guys. And he, he's just been such a big supporter. He has some friends who are in Redcoats. And so I think that's kind of how he um, gained that sort of connection with us. It just means the absolute world that he makes it a point to, like, come and thank us. And the fact that he came and, like, conducted the band at the last home game in Sanford was just so sweet and I think he fully understood how much that meant to us I've been doing marching band for this is my eighth year and never once has a football player ever ever thanked me except for Jordan Davis like he is just incredible and he has no idea I don't think of like how much it means to all of us that he makes it a point just thank us and make us feel special. And I'm so grateful we have had that connection with him. What song did you miss out when, when everybody, when you couldn't play? Um, it was the fight song. It was glory. Oh I, my gosh. <laughs> the song we play like after every time we get a touchdown. Like it's know? the school song, right? Yeah, glory, glory yep. to old Jordan. Yeah. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> And to hell with Georgia Tech. Or Alabama, as is the case. Yes. It's always Tech, though. All right. Listen, where are you from? Where, do you, where, are, you, where are you from? Um, I am originally from Flowery Branch, Georgia. Okay. All right. You're local. Does the band get a um, national championship ring or anything? Um, No news on that yet. I know that in the past, I know LSU's marching band got rings that they could buy. I'm hoping that maybe get something like that but i haven't heard anything yet as a fellow dog i'm yeah. so proud um that you like like caddy was saying that you represent the university um because you're a damn good dog and we love that about you thank you guys so much Bye-bye. we're burning the boats baby and we're coming back go dogs thank you a new standard of excellence has been set excellence in leadership Excellence moving forward. We expect them to hold that same standard for a long time to come at UGA. I pulled two clips from the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network and Scott Howard, who is an unbelievable broadcaster. The emotion you're going to hear in this call is like none other because Scott Howard is unapologetically and undeniably a Georgia Bulldog fan. He gets his paycheck from the University of Georgia. Drops back, pressure from the edges. He throws near sideline, and it's intercepted. Intercepted, Keely Ringo at the 21. Off he goes, 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, near sideline. Breaks a tackle, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, 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 Georgia. 
54 seconds to go. Keely Ringo with about a 75-yard return. No flags. 32-18. Let the Listen celebration begin. Did you hear the people in the in the booth? They were going crazy. I was talking to somebody who said that, that it was in the booth when 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 it happened. And they said that even the coaches, you know, are, are flanked on other sides in their own yeah. booths watching and making calls on you know, headsets. That everybody's jumping up and down in the press box is just shaking. It was the play heard around the world because, I mean, it totally turned the game around. There was, we were in peril before that. 79 yards officially on the pick six in Alabama. A Ringo ate your baby. In Alabama, <laughs> a that. Ringo ate your baby. That is Scott Howard on the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network. That's like a takeoff on a dingo at your baby. Yes, yes. That was so good. Did he have to think of that on the fly? I don't so know. Good. I, I, it's kind of like the uh, Demons Be Gone, Georgia's know, Mountaintop. But, was that, did he Did he have that plan? But here's the thing. Like, you know, you're you're competing as a broadcaster with the, the late, great Larry Munson. Sure. So, I mean, everybody's trying to kind of hold that standard and come up with something that will forever be – a soundbite. A soundbite, or remembered, because Munson had so many of them, you know? Audio for this episode of Cadillac Jack, My Second Act, from Def Jam Records, the University of Georgia, WSB-TV, and the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network. New episodes on Tuesday and Thursday of Cadillac Jack, My Second Act, part of the Appen Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>